You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, Episode 50, Jeremy McDonald, Caldwell Cigars, and La Barba Cigars. year for this type of costume it's amazing it's creeping me out but i want to think about you tonight when i go to sleep <laughs> well how are you i'm excellent man it's i don't know if you ever saw but we uh this is charlie the clown he has come out before and played in arizona at an event one time and uh there's an instagram account called charlie the clown because of it Wow. Not cigar related whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> it's like everybody's nightmares is, is coming together in this one uh, hour long podcast. I know. Cause clowns play. I'm definitely not the clown. Like you want like, you know, handing balloons to your kid and you <laughs> like, just look like you're going to murder like secretly, silently. <laughs> the plague, the, the beak with the pet. Yeah, I like I know. it. It's very luxurious. Dude, that, that is. And the hat, I feel like, like Blossom. It's like Blossom meets Plague. I feel like that's a mask to be worn at, like, not just a masquerade party, but, like, the eyes wide shut type of, like, <laughs> you know what type of party I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know what type you're talking about. Are you, do you have a cape on? No, it's just this, like, little Pilgrim Puritan kind of a thing. I love it. I was going to say, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's, I like it. Yeah, I thought about taking a walk in this this morning or maybe tomorrow, but I said, that'll be a little bit too much right now. I don't feel like being a news story. <laughs> so you see the, a plague doctor walking down the street. That's like a, a bad joke starting waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank awesome. you for coming on today. When I thought about, I said, I want to do a fun Halloween type show and I was like who's like really fun that I haven't had on the show yet and I was like I know the perfect person <laughs> oh I like that give us the Charlie voice well what it was I would be sucking in helium first like before I did it and I don't have helium I don't remember that was called drunk voice the Charlie voice Jack's the first time uh this came on Jacqueline who's in here was the one who dressed me up and I couldn't find my red nose I found everything else but I can't find the red nose wow so I had to boop well I think we still get the full most of the effect of the, that outfit yeah I mean it's terrifying well so you probably have seen deep cuts so what I like to do is interview different people in the cigar industry that I know that people may not know yet and we talk about how you got involved in the cigar industry and then the kind of brands that you work with. So people learn some stuff. And today, I guess they're, they're going to get a little bonus, uh, little uh, entertainment while we, we talk about you and your background. Sweet. So I always like to start at the beginning. 
how did you get involved in the cigar industry or the tobacco industry? What was that origin story? So my origin story, I grew up, I have an extremely conservative family. Very. Um, they're still waiting for me to get a real job. And uh, so, but every holiday, my two uncles who are now both uh, passed, but they smoked cigars together, like in the back patio. And it was like this hush hush thing because my mom and grandma and all of them was like, no, that's like a faux pas. But they did it anyways, because it was like their bonding thing. And I was always fascinated by it. And I was like, I want to smoke cigars. Like that just seems like these are the dudes, like they're smoking cigars. And occasionally they would let me take like a little puff. But on my 18th birthday, I went to 7-Eleven because I didn't know there were like proper cigar stores. And I bought some Garcia Vegas and a Snapple because that's what I could buy. And I went in my parents' backyard and I smoked a cigar and I thought like I was a king and like fell in love with it. So like quickly after I discovered cigar shops, the whole thing. And, um, and then I realized how much I was spending, like, you know, champagne on a beer budget type of like, and I was like, this is really expensive for me to smoke cigars making what I make. So I started asking shops if they needed assistance. Um, because I wanted to offset my cost of smoking. And I asked around for about a year or so. And then finally a shop um, needed coverage during the RTDA. So RTDA turned into IPCPR, which turned into the PT. You know, it's, it's had many names. So I covered it, worked there for a week, and then didn't leave. And like started covering shifts whenever and then part-time turned into full-time and then full-time turned into taking over the ordering and you know I did that for 11 years and then I was like I really dig this industry I want to get in on the other side so I started applying and doing that whole thing and I found uh, a rep job and uh, I was working with CLE with Christian Aroa um, when he, uh, debuted the brand and in the process, I met, uh, Robert because Robert had the brand Winwood um, under the CLE portfolio. So I'm in California. So all of our, uh, like I was the West coast sales rep and we started getting a lot of traction and like the cigar nerd in me was like super into the Winwood project so Rob ended up spending a lot of time in California and like the Pacific Northwest because like we were doing a lot of sales. And so we just became friends and, you know, like you work with someone and like we're close in age. I'm older than him. Um, but uh, we just developed a friendship and uh, him and Christian had a falling out. And so that separated and I continued working uh, with Christian and then Rob called, he came out here to LA and we were talking and he's like, yo, I think I'm going to start a brand on my own. And he's like, what do you say you like, you want to do it? And I was like, fuck yes. I just loved the like, and he's like, you're going to be our national sales manager. And I was like, rad. 
I'll have to learn what that means. Like it's been <laughs> amazing. Um, and seriously, it's been like, I relied a lot on like friendships and relationships I've cultivated over the years with like other manufacturers or reps to like help me along the way, kind of learn what it actually is to do that job. Um, and I mean, not many jobs will hire you to let you grow into that. You know what I mean? Like the fact that it was like, we were just like roosters with our heads cut off. I knew I could sell cigars cause I had been doing that, but like building a brand from like zero up to what it is today, six years later, like it, it was, uh, it's a pretty amazing time, you know, like a lot, a lot of road time. And, um, you know, I was, I had short hair and no beard and was 70 pounds lighter. That's all a lie. <laughs> all a lie. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of like, it, I kind of fell into it. I didn't like, wasn't like the first time I smoked a cigar, like, oh, I want to be in the cigar industry. Kind of like when you and I spoke and Tony and I got, it was a job. Like I wanted, you know, I didn't look at working at the cigar shop as like a career. I looked at it as like, hey, this will offset my my spending. And, but you know, one thing kind of led to another. And so it's like, I'm kind of the poster boy for the guy who like drops out of college and works at a place and kind of ends up, you know, finding their way through the thick and you know and then you one day wake up and you're charlie the fucking clown <laughs> you know what i like about you and robert and tony is that you're all doing things your own way because i think some people come into the cigar industry and they look at the cigar ads and the people and they think it's all about suits and yachts and being very formal you know, but you all do it your own way, in your own style. So how did you kind of, did you ever feel tempted to kind of act like other people in the industry and mimic what they were doing to kind of try to capture their steam? Or did you always just have this kind of F you attitude, we're going to do what we're going to do? Yeah, you know, so when we started, we were definitely kind of like the black sheep, right? Like, like we walked into the trade show carrying our booth on our shoulders so that we didn't have to pay the union, you know, because we're like, fuck you, we're not paying like 800 bucks for you to move a pallet for us. We also didn't have the 800 bucks. So like, and people are like, who are these? Like these guys, like there was so much, uh, there was support in the industry and there was also extreme negative. Like these guys are like not going to make it. And so like sometimes when you have a chip on your shoulder, it's like you got to prove that you can do it because it's like the best middle finger you can ever give someone is success. So we were just like, we're going to do it our way. And like, we're going to brand like the, with the branding, the way we market, the way we go out in the stores and people like kept kind of like shaking their heads, but eventually like, you know, no's turned to yeses and like people like understood what we did. And then when we started dealing with real money, like when it really started coming in, I think we went through like a period of time where we were like, oh, we have to start acting a little professional. Like, cause like now we're dealing with like real money here. We can't be so like cavalier and fuck the world. And it's the low point in our company because like that was the one year we didn't really grow. 
Um, and it like, we kind of went dormant on social media. We kind of just, it was like, cause we, we thought like, well, it's cool to fuck around when like, you know, the parents aren't in the yard, but like now they're here, maybe we're supposed to like behave a little, but then it counter, it didn't work for us. So then like we got together and we're like, we cannot be something we're not like, I'm not going to be in a suit, obviously. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's not us. So like, let's just be us. And Rob is very different from me. It's very different from Nando It's very different from Tony. Like we all have our own personalities and that's kind of what makes our brand, our brand is that it's not like, we're not the biker brand. We're not the skull and bones brand. We're not the like heritage brand. So we had to kind of find like, let's just be us and whoever gravitates gravitates and, uh, and it worked. I mean, yeah, it was kind of not intentional that it worked because we were just being ourselves and it was working. And then we're like, Oh, we have to get professional. And then we realized, Oh, that's actually what was working and why we were like having success. So yeah, then it was like, take your shirt off. Let's run around naked. Uh, Cause this is what we do. Well, a friend of a friend does that. You know, <laughs> you know Not so high class as me. <laughs> <laughs> And a few minutes ago, you were talking about how you had to learn how to be a national sales manager because when you first started out, you didn't really know what that meant. So how did you come to study and figure out what that meant? And how do, how do you define it today? Well, so I ended up getting like books and reading books. Uh, I have a couple people that I really respect in this industry and kind of consider them mentors to me, even if they don't consider themselves my mentor, I do. Um, but like people I really respect, the, the Robert Wright, um, he worked with, uh, he had Puro Soul, the brand, and worked with Christian. Like I adore that man. And like he was the sales manager for that company. And so he, I like, he was very kind to me and would help me. And I had friends, uh, um, Jose Blanco, another guy that like developed a relationship with. And like, uh, even if they weren't direct words, he said to me, like watching him and seeing how he did what he did. Like I, like I'm a visual learner. Right. So like I watch people. It's so my favorite thing to do is people watch. Cause like you just learn so much about them. And, uh, I just like started gleaning information from these people and, Oh, okay. This is what the job entails. This is what it means to be like, you know, a manager over people. Like I had managed in like grocery stores and shit like that. So it wasn't like I was foreign to the concept of management, but leading a team is a little different. Um, and you know, like when we first, I would bro down heavy, heavy, heavy with our, you know, uh, reps. And like, though we created some great memories, it, like I saw, like, sometimes it was difficult, like work versus friend. And so like, I kind of had to learn how to like, oh, okay, like, I have to like, kind of compartmentalize 
the work aspect versus like social life and like where they can intertwine and where they like need to be separated. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of stuff like that. And I mean, I think as long as people are like willing to like grow, you know, like you kind of find your way. Um, and I still don't think I'm your like conventional sales manager by any means, but, um, but we're doing all right. So something, you know, Something must be working. Maybe it's my good looks. I don't know. What do you think, Antoine? <laughs> oh, definitely. I think you I definitely mean, have a, a very unique look going on that probably brings in some sales by itself. <laughs> it's not often you have a clown sitting with the Golden Girls behind you and then the Last Supper. I know. Such like juxtaposition. <laughs> you know, so one of the things like I, I think we all deal with in some way in our jobs is how to sell something. And even if you don't naturally sell something, we're all kind of selling something in some way. So I know for me, though, I hate the idea of me selling something to somebody because I never know how to, you know, put a value on certain things, how to, you know, convince somebody to spend their hard-earned money on something. So how do you get beyond that? Like, how do you, how do you sell? Mm, I steal. I just wait till they're not looking and I go in the back room and I get checkbooks and I write checks. <laughs> and then maybe I send product. Uh, no, you know what? I think it's, I think it's true in every industry that involves sales. Some uh, situations more so than others. Like, but I think it's true that like you don't sell product, like you sell yourself. Right. Like, and like, you know, the days of like, you, you've seen a, a large changeover in our industry of like the traditional guy that used to sell a vacuum cleaner and went door to door. Like no one wants that guy around anymore. They don't want to be sold stuff. Like all we're inundated like all day long with like, buy this and you need this and you need this. And this is going to make you prettier. This is going to make you thinner. This is going to make you tanner. This is, whatever it might be. And like, I think we naturally now have a resistance to any kind of like sales pitches, even if it's something that could benefit us just because we're so like tired of it, at least I am. And like, how do you sell in that type of a climate? Well, you have to sell yourself. Like people are not buying necessarily the product they're buying into you you know, and what you represent and the relationship that's there. And you need a good product, but the product isn't the only aspect that translates into a sale, you know, like, um, and I think if more reps, brokers, whatever you want to go down the list and call them, understood that, I think that there would be, you know, regardless in our industry or not, like, you, you, we have to modify the way we we always do things. Like a new law comes out and you have to adjust like for driving and now everyone has to adapt to that. If you don't, you're left behind or ticketed, right? The same thing with sales. Like it's evolving so fast because of like internet sales and all these things that are kind of taking the place of that guy that used to knock on your door and try to sell you carpet patches or, or a Hoover vacuum cleaner. Like, it's all about adaptation and, and kind of finding like, well, how do I, yeah. And it's like, how do you sell yourself? 
I don't know. (laughs) 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 But you said a few minutes ago, like, you know, you have to sell yourself and your product. And like, and that's what I always find fascinating about the cigar industry is that you have different, within our industry, you see there's some companies where they're selling the product. Like there's no person behind, there's no person behind it. It's just the product or the label or what their name is. They're selling the name. And then there's other people, like I think you and like Robert, especially, who a lot of it comes from like themselves. Because I know at PCA or IPSPR, whatever you want to call it, you, I mean, you have to book like weeks in advance, like an appointment with Robert. Like you can walk into the booth and look around, but if you want to talk to Robert at the show, you have to book well in advance and because people want to speak to him. And, you know, and I see, I've seen him sit down and, you know, really spend that time with different retailers and really walk them through the product, you know, show them the new stuff. But it's, it's like they, they trust him. Mm. So I think there's a lot of personality that, you know, when people feel like there's a person behind it, they're going to buy into whatever it is a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know if it's the same for you, but most things like I buy at this point, some sort of an attachment, an emotional attachment. And because there's an emotional attachment, I'm buying out of emotion, not necessity. Right. And like, um, what, like, I was like, Oh, I like this beer and they made it in a bigger can. Well, that's cool. Now it's like two for one, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Right. The things I consume, the meat, the like, whatever, like, Oh, where's it grown? Where's it like those things start to matter and they come into how you buy, they come into play. And I think we've all been told the wrapper binder filler story of every cigar on the planet. And, and while that has value and, and it does matter to people, to me, it's more about the experience like you're, you're talking about, like with a cigar, like, well, what's this going to give me? And it's kind of like my response is always the same. Like, well, like, who are you smoking with? What's the condition you're smoking? Like, that's the experience that matters. Like, this is just a tool to get us to have that experience. Like, had you and I, I not been in cigars and you not been in cigars, we would not have probably run across each other. Therefore, we would not, like, have been able to have a drink together and laugh together and get to know each other and start developing a friendship. But it's because, like, these brought us together, you know? So, like, to me, that's so much bigger than what this actually is you know and and i think when you when people see that they respond to brands that like they can identify with and it's not the the brand itself it's what's behind the brand or the those of the you know the people there um you know i'm sure obviously we won't name names but they're uh people that in this industry that are extremely sweet and great and loving. And there's also dickheads like, and there's guys who are like, Oh, I got to deal with this guy again. Like it's just like, but those brands operate kind of in a different manner. Maybe they sell on price point and that's why like they're competitive or, or notoriety, you know, brand recognition. Um, So there's no one way to do it. But I think it's like we move forward as an industry it has to be more that kind of like 
what are you bringing to the table? Like, personally, what are you bringing to the table that already doesn't exist here? Because, like, there's a lot of seats already at this table. How are you going to get yours, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, a theme that's come up a lot in the last couple of conversations like this is accessibility. So, like, who are you speaking to at the company? And, you know, there's some companies where you're speaking to, like, the, the head person or you can easily reach the head person. Like, I know for Caldwell, like, I can always email Robert and I'll get a response, you know, within a couple of hours. There are some companies I can email them and I don't get a response until, like, <laughs> you know, right. uh, like, months later or if ever or I have to go through levels to get through that. And I think that makes a difference now. I think, like you said, it's a, such a small industry that I don't think a lot of these companies can afford to not be accessible in some way and not, you know, if you're going to be a personality-driven brand, I want to speak to the personality. I don't want to speak to, you know, some low-level person who doesn't really know who's going to have to kick it up to another level, you know, and, and make it a game. It's it's funny. It's like such a double-edged sword because you're right. In our industry, like through social media and stuff like that, like you think if you work at the Genius Bar and Mac that like you could, you know, when Steve Jobs was like that, you could reach out to Steve and he was going to respond personally. It's like no fucking way. And you could be within that company and not ever have that interaction, much less the consumer. But our industry, because of it being such like a cloistered, small niche thing, they are reachable. And, and that, I think that's what makes it personal. But it also like backfires, too, because like I remember I was with Rob in a store. This guy called and direct messaged us on Instagram and was like, I bought. I don't even remember the cigar, but I'll just for sake of our, like the story. I bought the Long Live the King heater, which is a Corona. I bought five of them and they burned really poorly and they all tunneled and stuff like that. So normally in a normal world, that wouldn't go to the owner of the company. You know, like you would have people that handle that for you. And so his response was like, well, let me engage with this guy because he like is concerned and I'm sorry you had that happen. And then he said like, Maybe there's like gave a list of reasons on maybe why that happened. Maybe. And one of the examples he had said was maybe it wasn't stored proper. Like the humidity wasn't proper. Like he wasn't accusing any store. He didn't know what store it came from, but he said that. And then we get a call from the store owner, like 10 minutes later, yelling at us saying, you're telling my customers that, your cigar like that I don't store my cigars properly and just like chewing us the fuck out and we're sitting there and it's like okay that's the downside to reaching the thing because like he wasn't actually accusing he was giving like a bunch of different examples of like plus like, maybe this is the problem maybe this is yeah. the problem. <laughs> and saying that and then plus we're gonna send you some more sorry that happened right like we're gonna take care of it for you but, like, this guy went to the store and said, oh, Robert Caldwell said that you said he doesn't, you know. And that that happens a lot more frequently than you'd realize. And I think that's why Rob has, over the past, like, year and a half, kind of pulled back on, like, the social media and made it more broad-spectrum Caldwell cigars versus him individually. Because people start forming opinions of the brands 
if they interpret something you say wrong. And Rob is not a guy with a filter, as anyone who's ever talked to knows. And it can be like, it's Rob. He doesn't mean to be offensive. He doesn't, but he says shit that he thinks, and that's that. You know, and it, it, it kind of helps us as a company to like, hey, stay back. Let me get in front of it a little bit. Like you asked earlier, kind of like what the job thing. I call my job, like, I'm just like a firefighter. All I do, like, I put out fires. <laughs> All that, whether it be a customer issue, a retailer issue, a product didn't get there correctly. It was something on us. Like, I, I deal with a lot of that, you know, managing um, our sales team and helping them grow. But it's to kind of, you know, for the betterment of the company, it's good to have someone like me that can be the buffer so that Rob can do what Rob does, you know? And so when he gets those emails now, I like, he's like, Jeremy's going to respond for you. <laughs> I do that sometimes too. You have to kick it, kick it up or down on a certain level. Sometimes when you feel yourself, there's some emails I get sometimes. And I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> like You don't want me to respond to this. So yeah. I'm like, We're going to, redirect this so it's good that he knows that though because some people don't you know they just they're like oh they sent it to me i'm going to respond and it's not a good idea sometimes this is true i have found that <laughs> myself too i've engaged in things that after i'm like why the hell did i do that you know like because you get like i don't know like i don't know get like a chip on your shoulder and feel like you got to prove something I, and then you do that and then you're like oh, oh well right <laughs> life goes on so you know we talked about Caldwell some but you also sell stuff for La Barba mm -hmm. our friend Tony so I don't know I don't feel like enough people know about Tony and La Barba I've always been a big advocate of the, the La Barba and Tony world and getting people to know more about them. So just tell people a little bit about this brand. Cause like I said, when people learn about it, they're like, Oh wow, this is cool. And they learn about Tony and his wines and everything else that he gets involved in. Then it's like a very cool brand that for whatever reason, people don't know about yet. And on a well, large by the way, scale. I'm smoking a La Barba purple. Um, yeah, man. Tony is like, He's just such a good dude. He's like the dude you met in college that like you ran out of cash and you, and like you couldn't get home for the holidays. And he's like, fuck it. Come to my family's house. <laughs> Italian feast. And you go there and you have like the best time. And then all of a sudden it's 20 years later and you're friends. Like Tony is just that like, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve and, um, uh, you know, he was doing La Barba on his own doing his own thing but but he was a part of the lost and found um with robert project and jacqueline and uh so we had many interactions and we had gotten to know each other and when the fda um talked about dropping the like you know the anvil with the dates and predicate blends and blah 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 all that stuff rob kind of um approached him and was like why don't you like get in the family? Like we're, we're like already, it's like, we're having sex. Why don't we call ourselves boyfriend and girlfriends? 
Like we don't have to be like, you know, friends with benefits. We can actually like be in a relationship. And so like, I'm sure it wasn't worded like that from Rob, but that's how I like to imagine it, you know, like, um, yeah. And so like, he just came in to the fold and it was like the perfect kind of like storms colliding. And, you know, I was like so stoked because like, I want his brand and I want Tony to succeed so much because like, like when people are such good people, you just want the best for them and you're willing to work harder and you're willing to like do more because you know, they would do the same for you, you know? Um, and he makes good cigars. And, uh, so we do his distribution and now like all his manufacturing is over at William Ventura where all the Caldwell cigars are made. And, it's just a really good brand because it's like, you know, you meet Tony, he's the guy that like you've been friends with for 20 years, you know, like, like the term, the girl next door, what do they call it for the guy? Is it a guy next door? Well, there's a, <laughs> I was about to say, I think there's a, a porn thing that named guys next door. <laughs> cool. With that then I like that. <laughs> so Tony is the guy next door. <laughs> His door is always open. <laughs> i so didn't mean it that way but i'm gonna leave it that way uh he's yeah and like he's just passionate about like you know he he's a like whatever level certified sommelier like he has uh a wine out he has like he's done collaborations with beers he ha owns with his dad uh three shops in ohio like tobacco shops uh, and they're amazing shops and, uh, like, you know, and he has a great palate and he's made these scars and it's like, I, I, I just, I love his brain, man. And I love Tony. Like he's, he's one of my best friends and we would have been best friends regardless of whether we worked together, but just the fact that he is, uh, you know, that guy, like, I don't know, he's forever. I like that Tony, Tony, and Robert and you are all down to earth, which is like very nice to deal with and very nice to know and interact with. Because mm. there's some people that just are so over the top, or they put themselves up on some weird pedestal that, you know, you talk to them and you're like, okay, well, I guess this conversation is done. <laughs> you know, but Tony, like you said, Tony, and and I've always, like I said, enjoyed my interactions with Robert. It's always, I like that he's very straightforward. You're not going to get a BS answer. You're going to get a pretty, <laughs> the Robert Caldwell answer. Yeah. Like very frank, no BS. <laughs> I absolutely, it took me a while to get used to like that type of person. Actually, like when I first met Rob, he and I did not like each other. Like, <laughs> I, I, like we got into a little bit of a tiff and I didn't know he was like Robert of Caldwell Cigars. Oh, it wasn't Caldwell, Wynwood. I was just like sitting there because like we're all in Honduras with Christian at the like Camacho compound. And there's this dude and he's wearing like pink tight pants and his shirt's unbuttoned to his belly. And I'm like, and I think I made some comment about like Miami Vice wanted their clothes back or some shit like that. <laughs> And, like, he was, like, and I'm, like, you're just so cliche Miami. And, like, I, and he was, like, 
what'd you say, motherfucker? You know, and like we had this little like back and forth, you know, and now we're like besties. So it's just kind of funny. But it took me a while to get used to his like directness. It's more like East Coast style versus West Coast. Like, I'm not like a weed smoker, but I have that like, hey, man, let it roll. It's it's like, <laughs> like that didn't affect me. It's cool. Do your thing. I just want everyone to be happy and I want to like be everybody's friends, want to hug everybody. Like that's, that's mine. And he is so not that guy. So I don't know if you're brave enough, but I highly recommend next time you see Rob to go up and hug him because it's hilarious how uncomfortable he gets when you hug him. Cause he's not, a, he's not a, for me. He's so tall and I'm so short that I have to be careful because I, I come up like right to his crotch area. Like he's that tall, like, and I'm that short. So I'm always like, Hey, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I, I like, I'm an affectionate person. I think that's why Tony and I are so close. We're both super affectionate. Like we get drunk and tell each other how much we love each other. And then we don't do anything about it except <laughs> just like, you know, but like if he was a woman, <laughs> no, this is like turn into like confessions, you know, like taxi cab confessions style. But um, this is me speaking. <laughs> this is Charlie the clown. I don't know. Jeremy went somewhere else to to talk about, you know, lost and found. I know you mentioned it, and that's another kind of cool story that. You know, I've seen people talk, talk about it, and we cover it on Tobacco Business all the time, and people are super excited about this brand. But tell us what exactly is Lost and Found for those people who don't know and how Tony and Robert are all kind of associated with it. So the concept came from uh, Tony has a friend, uh, Hunter, who does – these wines treasure or something i can't remember the name of it but like they basically like you have whiskey companies do this like cadenhead and some other ones that'll go out and they'll find like juice from a specific barrel at a specific but it's not enough to make um you know whatever their standard is that they're making so it just kind of gets like stored away and that happens a lot in the wine in the whiskey and spirits and so Basically, they came up with this concept of like, what if you were to go to all these factories? Because everyone, if you've been on a factory tour, there's always in the aging room stuff like, what is that? I don't know. It's been there for a lot of years. So the whole entire concept of like Lost and Found is like, why don't we go to like manufacturers, find super aged cigars, buy them, put some like tongue in cheek marketing behind it and simplistic butcher paper sticker, like just bare bones and like put it out on the market and we'll name it something, but we'll never like declassify who it came from or what the actual cigar is. So every lost and found project is a cigar that was at some point on the market under name X, Y, and Z. But the cool thing is, is like you're getting stuff that's 10, 15, 7, 5, 20. Like they've had stuff as old as 20-year-old releases. And the crazy thing is, is like 
It doesn't cost more than like for you to age a cigar for 15 years. Very few people will go through that process. Plus, it may like have already peaked and it might be coming down, but it still may be good, you know. And so the entire concept was like, let's kind of make a grab bag of cigars. So they're not blended by them. They're just found and repackaged. And it's funny because now you're seeing like a lot more manufacturers starting to do it themselves. It's like they finally clued into, oh, you mean we could actually sell these? You know, you can call it an LE. You could, you know, do a store exclusive. You could do whatever. And it becomes something, you know, a way to move older inventory. But it's a super fun project because, like, it's like you don't really know what you're going to get. But you can be guaranteed it's a quality product and it's really, really aged. So, I mean, I don't – I can't think of a manufacturer that, like, they haven't done something with or a, or a specific factory um and it just it's such a fun project because it's like the tongue-in-cheek marketing is purely just for like humor you know and like it there's you know the release is just uh whatever you're gonna get you know like um so it's just a super fun project it's like it's just a different take on cigars like you know it's a quick way to like experience a super aged cigar, you know, and see what that does to a cigar. You'll just have to do your own homework to try to figure out what that was, what cigar actually was. And you're also with Lost and Found, you know, they do some charity through that, through some of those releases, which I think is a pretty big deal because I think, you know, to the outside world and what I always, when I think we talked about this on your show with Tony is like, for me, you know, on the media side, I don't waste my time telling stories about wrapper, binder, filler, because you can find that anywhere online. But to tell people about the good that the tobacco industry does, you know, is, is important. So, you know, some of these lost and found releases are tied, you know, are tied to good causes, just like the one that you just released, which is, I think it's called One. Yeah, the One, which was for the first responders of, uh... 9-11 so firefighters police uh medical um yeah and like that's it's cool like i mean look when when you're when you're blessed in life like you should give back you should be like contributing towards something because if not like what is society going to become and like I love the fact that like it kind of moved and you had the first, you had the give a fuck uh, campaign from, you know, lost and found that went to like inner city schools and stuff for like education for new computers. And, and like, if you're not doing something to be like socially uh, and there are a lot of manufacturers that do like Fuente does their like i mean you know their, their family charitable thing like you should give back you know like it doesn't always have to be about like how fat your wallet gets you know sometimes it can just be like you know what i'm just going to be a fucking good person today <laughs> like and it doesn't have to be about what it benefits you but as a result of giving that does make you feel good you know what i mean like so it it 
you're not doing it for that intent, but like, you know, um, it's cool that the lost and found, um, that they've started like with some of those projects that are like, you know, giving back in whatever capacity. Is it going to change the world? No, but neither is the cigar, like any cigar, but it's, it's little ways of contributing towards a little bit better of a society, which I think is a lot more valuable than like, you know, making an extra 50 grand, you know, at the end of the day, what matters more? Right. You know, looking at this year, obviously it's been different because of COVID, um, you know, and we didn't have all the events and trade shows that we're used to having throughout the year. So what have you all, you and Robert and Tony been working on this year that you might want to share with everybody who's listening? Well, um, it's, it's been a huge adaptation and like, um, things like this definitely morph business, you know, and morph how you approach it. And like my involvement on social media, like doing like the coffee and cigars or Tony and I doing the four shots show which you were a part of like it's really ways for us to just stay connected with people you know because we're doing it from our garage or we're doing it from you know like we don't know what events are going to look like next year we don't know or you know just not just next year just the new kind of reality you know the new era um and we've definitely kind of like clamped down you know, and kind of come back to our basics and we're simplifying um, quite a lot of different aspects of the company to just be like, look, we sell cigars, but like we want to enjoy them with you and we want you like we want relationships with these people. And uh, whether it's the consumer or the retailer, you know, we want to have a personal relationship. And, you know, I, we're, we're just modifying because we have to. You know, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like, but like, you know, um, we had release scheduled. We had all kinds of stuff. We obviously with the shows um, that, you know, a lot of that stuff got shelved because like, you know, to release something during the pandemic is probably not the smartest business move. Um, but we are releasing something very shortly like a fun little limited so we're six years old as a company we meant to do a five-year anniversary cigar but it's caldwell so we didn't do it so we were going to do it as a six-year because it makes no sense to do a six <laughs> um because like that's not a mile maker like marker it's like five ten so we're like let's do six so we had that like planned and that didn't work, but like we are releasing something uh, very, very, very shortly, like next week, kind of short. It's funny. One of our guys in here that works with us is in here and he didn't even know yet. So like, Hey buddy, you have a cigar to sell next week. I'll tell you what it is. Um, no. And we're, we're doing like a fun little limited project and it's not exactly what we envisioned for the original thing but with factories being closed and then when they reopened only being at like 10 to 20 percent capacity you just have to work with what you have to work with um 
but I'm really excited that we have something that'll be like dropping. Um, Tony had hoped to have something, but that probably won't be till it'll probably, I, I would guess it's either going to be right before or right near uh, TPE 2021. Okay. So May. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I know it's just been such a, a strange year, but I like what I've always said is I like that a lot of companies and individuals pivoted during this time. So like you and Tony have done this, you know, started up the show. Um, and I thought that was pretty innovative because a lot of manufacturers are kind of like, I, I think relying on different media personalities to start shows and then invite them on the show, but you all created your own platform. So what's that been like? Cause now you're on the, you're on our side, you're on the media side. Yeah. Right. You know, trying to, to what? manage everything. You know, it's been fun, but it's like, it's, it's like, you know how many people have like the last four episodes we did, like someone canceled the night before and it was like, fuck. All right. Like who? And it's like, Oh, like all these, like, <laughs> primadonnas which are the manufacturers right that i'm sure you have had to deal with or other people in the media like like it's like you'll work around my schedule and you'll do what i say and and then it's like they're doing it to us too <laughs> and so you're not alone we understand the frustration it's given me a much bigger appreciation for like uh i mean i don't blow people off if i like if i give you a maybe it's not happening. <laughs> if I go, yes, it's a yes. Yeah. And like, uh, so it's either a no or maybe, which really means the same thing. But for social graces, sometimes you use different terminology. But if it's a yes, it's a yes. And when you were like, do you want to do this? I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> morning and I had a meeting and I had to run errands. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to get home to get all dolled up. You know? <laughs> rest of my work later because like you know like i have been now on the recipient end of like being blown off and it and it like it feels uh shitty so like but like i love the show we're doing the only downside to it is uh i'm shit-faced by 6 p.m every tuesday now because like it's called four shots, but we usually do a lot more than four shots. And, uh, you know, it's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So for me, it's only five. So I get <laughs> go have dinner and I'm already like blitzed. So like the rest of my night's like gone. Um, so that's kind of like a that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I guess we could be smart and not drink much, but then what? <laughs> Why would you want to watch us otherwise? <laughs> Except for the debauchery that ensues. Well, I think it's a, it's a great show. Like I said, it's a great platform. And I'm sure now that you've done several of these episodes that you're going to uh, come out of it, you know, deciding how you want to change it up, basically going into the next leg of it. I don't know if you do seasons or if you have it broken down like that, but... last was our last we did 15 weeks and then we last week we made our uh last 
And then we're doing a special this next Tuesday, and it's an election special drinking game. So we're not having guests, but if you don't want to watch the news and slit your wrists, <laughs> you can come on and drink your sorrows away with us. Um, and like, we're like, we don't expect many people to be there. And it is a big deal, but like, look, people need ways to cope with what's going on. Let's just be like honest, right? So it's like, if we can bring a little humor and a little like laughter in that night amongst like, yes, it's a very serious thing. And like, but like, we're gonna kind of just be playful and hang out and like, uh, yeah, play a drinking game that should be interesting. And, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like we always have to, I think we have to remember like, you know, there's a lot of stuff out of our control. You can say your voice, you can say your opinion, but there's things you can't necessarily control. I can feel a specific way about something, but like if, if it's, if I can't change it, I can't change it. So we have to learn how to like, just like deal with what comes um, and, you know, kind of try to find the silver lining in it. And um, so we'll start up our next season the following week. So two weeks out. And uh, yeah, we're kind of learning as we go, as I'm sure like you with this, like have done, like you kind of find what works, what doesn't work. Uh, you know, like um, we have some good guests coming up and I don't know. I love the fact that it's like flipping the script. That's what I enjoy most about the show is like, you know, I'm always getting like interviewed or things like that. And it's super cool to be able to be like, Antoine, tell me about yourself. You know what I mean? Like, because all the news that comes out from these people, like they're like behind the curtain personalities. You know what I mean? Like whether it be uh, Coop, whether it be uh, Charlie, you know, with Half Wheel and stuff, like people don't actually really know, you know, are you, they just see like a website and articles and it's like, yeah, but these guys are so much a part of like, what makes our industry our industry so like let's get down with them and you know even retailers like like let's have retailers on um and share stories you know about events we had together and uh it's a different perspective you know it's just flipping the coin over and i i've had a ton of fun doing it because like it's helped me like get to know people in a way that i didn't know prior to our interview you know so we haven't interviewed anybody that we don't know. Eventually, we'll probably run out of who we don't know. I mean, who we know. But, like, that's the fun of it is, like, let's talk with our friends. Like, let's, you know. Exactly. It, it makes it more uh, casual and, and intimate, you know. Like, you don't have the guard up of, like, what do I need to say? Or, what do, like, you know, who's going to see this? Or, like blah 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 you know when you were like hit me up for this and then you said costume i was like I, I, I would already have done it but i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> like why not man we get to like dress up and have fun and like i know i was like we're all just like stuck places and like i said not being together and i was like you know let's have a little fun and people will watch this in playback mode and 
they'll watch it later on tonight and after they've had a few drinks and they'll be like, what the hell's going on here? And all that kind of stuff. So I just like changing it up. And I thought it was, it's been a fun hour to like really hear from you. Cause like, like I said, we're always at a trade show and we never right. get to like really speak cause you're, you have a list of things to do and people to see and same with me. So it's well, always fun to do something like this. Our five minute interactions. And then at the end of the show, collapsing at the bar you know because we're exhausted but like you know sharing a, a beer together and like having a laugh it's nice but it's like it is like when with like it, it's it's cool to be able to uh it's funny i've cultivated more relationships for myself like i feel like i've made you know new friends like people that were acquaintances before uh in this industry over the course of these months like have actually become friends and and like fuck that's cool you know like it's it's cool to like we got to interview you you get to interview me we get to like you know um just talk more and it makes it that much more cool when we do get to see each other at these shows then because then it's not like high five Antoine nice to see you man like it's like oh there's a bro like I gotta go give him a hug and you know make him uncomfortable because I might squeeze his butt cheek you know like <laughs> that, that's what I look forward to in life <laughs> so in our last few seconds together give me the the social media spiel so what social media account should we be following to keep up with Caldwell and La Barba and you so and what website should we be visiting Caldwell Cigars at Instagram, uh, on Instagram, La Barba Cigars or Bellotto, um to follow Tony. He has a personal one plus the La Barba account. Um, website is Caldwell Cigars, website for uh, .com, LaBarbaCigars.com. If you want to follow me, uh, it's the California Hillbilly. I should have told that story, but that's, that's another time. But uh, why I'm that is there but yeah the california hillbilly on instagram and uh yeah that's that well thank you so much for coming on it was fun no my man thank you so much for having me I i'm i'm excited that i got to wear this today i'm excited because i got to wear this it was like where else was i gonna wear it <laughs> uh, everywhere you should wear that everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially this year right You'll take a, a nightly a nice stroll at night with this. I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll see me on the news. <laughs> Vegas, you gotta let me borrow that. I think I could get into some fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pack it. <laughs> well, thank you so much and I look forward to our next encounter. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye.